0: I want to turn your attention this morning to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, and we will be looking at the verses 23 to 31. I know many of you have realized that we are living in a very messy world. I wish I could say that we are living in a great world but unfortunately, that is not the case. You know, if, you, if I were to tell you about Haiti and you were to ask me how are things in Haiti, my response would be very, very, very bad. Over the past six months, we have experienced gang violence. People have been kidnapped. All over the news, you hear of trouble. Since September 7, the country has been on a lockdown. Gangs have taken over the capital city, and everyone that is walking around the streets of Port-au-Prince don't know if they're going to get back home. Everywhere you go, you see roadblocks. Everywhere you go, you hear of people being kidnapped and it continues day by day. If you just turn on your television, you will see about the war in Ukraine. Innocent people being killed each and every day. The country is being bombed by Russia. And it's not only Haiti, and Ukraine. You see what's happening in Iran. One young lady, for her own belief, got killed in a prison. And young people are revolting against the regime. We thought somehow that America would be exempt because we think of democracy and that the greatest country where democracy reigned But if you just look at the news each and every day, you would see the violence that is taking place in our country today. And yes, I say in our country because I have lived in America. My children are American. My grandchildren are American. My wife is American. Thus, it is my country. So we experience violence of every kind. If you look at the New York Post on June 16th, they would be telling you of the violence and crime that have taken place. On June 16. 35 people were killed in mass shooting in Buffalo, Uvalde, and Tulsa. In that same time, they reported that over 1,500 people were involved in shooting in some part of Los Angeles, it is a messy, a messy world. Many, many years ago we thought that things like that would be happening in the third world country. But it is not so. Every day that you woke up, you have violence in the major city of America. The major states are experiencing the same thing. You heard of the situation in Baltimore. You heard of the situation in Minnesota at the wake of George Floyd. You see violence being taken place even in Washington, D.C. And it is in time like that that God is calling on us. In moments like this that God is calling on us to take a stand. To show To the world who we are. And to show them that God has the power to change lives. He's calling on people to take a stand. To stand before him that he would not destroy our land. I want to turn your attention to Ezekiel chapter 22. He said, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rain on in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of a prophet in the midst like a roaring lion telling the prey. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. A priest has done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide the eyes from my Sabbaths and I'm profaned among them. A princess within her are like wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest again. A prophet have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false vision and divining lies for them, saying, Thus say the Lord God, when the Lord had not, has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery, and they have wronged the poor and needy and have oppressed the sojourner without justice. I searched for a man them, among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have poured by, out my indignation on them. I have consumed them With the fire of my wrath, the way I have brought upon their heads, declare the Lord. God was expecting a group of people to stand for him. He was looking to the prophets. The prophets are people who are supposed to speak for God. They are people who are who are supposed to say, thus say the Lord. There were people who were supposed to live a life that pleases him and that would direct his people to godly living. If you want to see what's going on in the scenario, you would have to try to turn toward second king toward 1st King chapter 21 to see what's going on with prophets and with kings. Ahab, Jehoshaphat, Micah. The king wants to hear what he wants to hear. He doesn't want to really hear what said the Lord. In the scenario, Ahab saw a piece of property that Naboth owned. He wanted that piece of land. He called on Naboth to say, I want this piece of land so I can grow vegetables. And the man responded, No, I can't give it to you because it was an inheritance from my parents. He was so sad. He got to his palace and was so blue and grim that his wife Jezebel said, What's wrong with you? And the story tells us that Ahab said, I want that land. I offered money to the man. He refused to take it from me. And so, I don't know what to do. And Jezebel said, Ain't you the king? You can have whatever you want. That's the injustice. Because the king is supposed to be for the people. To be seeing the good for the people. But he saw his own good. And the story tells us that they killed Naboth, And then he wanted to go to war. And he called his prophets. But he wanted the prophets to tell him what he wanted to hear, but not what God wanted them to say. He manipulated them. And whenever they tell him what God said, he refused to take it for the truth. Isn't what we have today in so many countries, so many churches, where people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth that transforms. They want to hear what makes them happy. Uh, let me tell you, my friends, that the word of God sometimes makes us very uncomfortable. Because what it does, it, because it goes deep into our heart and reaches to the places where we need to be healed. A lot of people are living in conditions that don't please God and they want preachers to tell them what makes them happy. And that's not why we have the word of God. The word of God convicts. It penetrates the heart. And if you come to church just to feel good, you are at the wrong place. And that's what those prophets did. Whatever the people wanted to hear, that's what they told them. And the book in Ezekiel, it says... The prophets among them. Listen to what they say. My prophet don't tell the truth. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasures and precious things. They have taken, they have made many widows in the midst of her. Those who were spe- supposed to speak for God spoke their own word. Instead of saying, Thus say the Lord, they said, The Lord had spoken while the Lord had not spoken. That was one group. Then there were the princes. They were supposed to protect the country and its people. But did they do that? No. There were injustice among them. If we were to compare the the princess to to today's world would say, some are congressmen, are senators that are supposed to honor the constitution, but they don't. In the past, you used to have leaders that say, this is the direction we're going and we want you to follow. Today, we have leaders that say, tell us what you want, and we'll do it for you. And that's the problem. You've heard of the injustice that's taking place even in America with people who stand for the truth. If you differ from them, you'll be persecuted. You've seen the FBI raiding so many homes of people who disagree. With the current government. And it continues and continues. The princes, the prophets, the priests, that were supposed to offer sacrifices before God for the sin of the people. Thank God I don't need them today. Because Jesus has done it all for me. I don't, need, I don't know how much I would have to pay because I've seen a lot. I'm 62 years old. If I had to pay, if I had to offer sacrifices for the sin I've committed, I'm telling you, I would be homeless. I would not have money to pay for doves, sheep, cows to offer sacrifice. Thank God my Jesus paid it all. But those guys, they made widows. Because they imposed so much on those poor people that they did not do what they were supposed to do. The princes failed God. The priest failed him. The prophets failed him. And it is in that setting that he came and said, I look for a man among them. Would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. Then I found no one. And I asked myself the question what kind of men that God is looking for? What quality that is looking in those men and women that is, He wants that can stand before Him so that He would not destroy? our land. And I think of the first verse in the book of Job. There was a man in the land of Uz his name was Job. And you hear what he says? That man Job chapter 1 That man was blameless Upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. He's not looking for the perfect one because there is no such perfect man. But he's looking for men that sees sin just like he sees it. David was not perfect. To the contrary, he sinned a lot. But whenever he sinned, he saw it just like God saw it. He saw it for what it was. And that the comfort that we have, that we have a God, whenever we sin and we recognize our sin and we come to him, He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all our iniquities. He's looking for men that are blameless. He's looking for men and women of integrity. He's looking for men and women that are right and that fear God. Our society and our world is in chaos. We have a big mess. And God is looking for people to clean that mess. He's looking for men and women that can clean the mess in our school. He's looking for men and women that can clean the mess in our government. Men that are blameless, that are upright. Men that fear God. Men and women that turn away from evil. But it doesn't stop there because there are things that if you want to be part of that core group of men and women, there are things specifically that he wants us to do. And that's when I go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11 and 12. And that's where Paul is talking to the young preacher. And he tells him, there are several things that if you want to be among that group of men and women that God wants to use... Here are the things that I want you to practice. If you want to be from that group, the first thing he said, he said, you have to flee from those things that hinder your relationship with Christ. There are things that we call luxury that God calls sin. And we as believers, we have to call them as such. And then he he lists a group of things that we have, a group of qualities that we as believers, we are supposed to pursue. He said... The first thing that I want you to do, if you want to be among that group of men that stand for God, that stand before God, so he would not destroy our land, is that first, we need to pursue righteousness. The synonym is like being upright. It's it's the same Language that we use when we're talking of integrity, men and women of integrity, men and women who fear God. In Psalm thirty-three, verse eighteen to twenty-two, he, he, he challenges the psalmist. Is 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 encouraging us in our walk with Him, and listen to what He said. Psalm thirty-three, verse eighteen to twenty-two. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O oh Lord, be upon us according as we have hope in you. We need to pursue righteousness. But we also have to pursue godliness. Godliness is synonym of Christ-likeness. Pursuing holiness. It's about a regenerate heart that deeply desires to be Righteous. God is looking for people who pursue righteousness, who pursue godliness. He's also looking for people, as Paul encouraged young Timothy, not only to pursue righteousness and godliness, but he said, you need to pursue faith. It's not The faith that leads to salvation. Yes, we are saved by faith, but we need to continue to live by faith. Oftentimes, we as believers, we accept the truth that we are saved by grace, but we forget that in order to please God, it is also by faith. It is by grace that I can serve him. I cannot please God on my own. You know, you know, as much as good looking that I may be or a good guy that I may be, there are things in me that want to pull me away from him. And I need to constantly depend on his grace to please him. And, 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 and that's what, that's what uh, Paul says in Titus chapter 2. He said, verse 11, he said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. I can't please God on my own. We cannot please Him on our own. We need to depend on His grace. To make the impact and to have the impact that he wants us to have. That's why Paul is encouraging us to pursue righteousness. To pursue godliness. To pursue faith. And then he said you need to pursue love. It is putting ourselves in places and spaces where we can grow in doing good for one another. We need to put us in place that we can impact people's life. So many people are hurting. So many people Need to experience the love of God. So many people need an embrace. And angels are not going to come from heaven to do it. It is you and I. That have to do it. And put love into action. We have to pursue righteousness. We have to pursue godliness. We have to pursue Christ-likeness. We have to pursue love. We have to pursue steadfastness. Being steadfast means being loyal, being committed, being devoted. Being solid, being constant. Loyal to our God. Committed to our God. Devoted to our God. Solid in our commitment to Him. Solid in our living for Him. We need to pursue. Gentleness. That's one thing I personally need to work on. I want to show that I always like to display toughness. Uh, some, uh, some people call me, some of my employees call me Mr. Hurricane. Because I know what I want. And I know what needs to get done. And I need it to get done when I want it to get done. So if you dare to stand on my way, you've seen what Nicole has done in the past few days. I will do the same to you. But God wants us to be gentle. Sensitive to others. We need to display kindness. We need to consider the needs of others more than our needs. We need to think of others because sometimes I may, I may be in a rush to get something done while forgetting or not even knowing what that person is experiencing. The reason he's not doing what I ask him or her to do is because he may be going through some tough time. But sometimes, you know, we got some employees that we need to kick a little bit to do what they need to do. But sometimes we need to display that type of kindness, that can really show the love of Christ. And Paul encouraged Timothy to pursue righteousness, godliness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Then he said, You need to fight the good fight of faith. Let me tell you, my friend, living for Jesus is not easy. It's hard to be a Christian sometimes. It's hard to go in the workplace and tell people that you are a believer. It's hard to go and tell them that you stand for the truth. But let me tell you, whether you like it or not, that's what you need to do. We're afraid to tell people who we are. You know the little saying goes like this, membership has its privileges. But membership that has privileges expects responsibilities. We are special people. We are peculiar people. We are part of a holy nation. God calls us saints We are heirs and co-heirs of Christ. But you know what? Because of who we belong to, we are expected to live a certain way in this world. We need to show people and let them know that we have something special in us. Remember the Sunday, we got a message to tell to the nation that will turn their hearts to the Lord. It's part of fighting the good fight of faith. We have to tell people that God has the power to change them. I want to see change in Haiti. But you know what, I know that President is not going to bring about the change. Congressmen are not going to bring about the change. Senators are not going to do it. Mayors are not going to do it. There is only one way a country is going to be changed. A country is going to be changed when its people are changed. And there is only one way people can be changed. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's part of fighting the good fight of faith. Then he said, take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. You and I, we need to embrace the reality of this eternal life through faith and to externalize this life through works. Our faith needs to express itself in our works. Book of James said that, how can you say that you have faith when you have no works? You need to show people that you are a changed being. Second Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ... Is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. The kind of people that God is looking for needs to pursue righteousness. They need to pursue godliness. They need to pursue faith. They need to pursue love. They need to pursue steadfastness. They need to pursue gentleness. They need to fight. The good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which we are called. But Ezekiel continued to tell us that if we don't do that, what's going to happen to us? The wrath of God is going to consume us. and that's why he says he's looking for a man that would stand in the gap in the gap before him a man that would build a wall so that he would not destroy the land you know when i first came to america i became addicted with one aspect of your culture. Television. I love watching TV. What happens most of the time, when I start watching TV, the TV starts watching me. Because most of the time I fall asleep. But there is one aspect of, your, of television that I enjoy. The commercials. They're funny, they're stupid. And sometimes I don't understand why they even have them. When I first came to America, I thought that every single dog in America drinks beer. Because I saw that commercial that Budweiser put out, and you see that big dog standing there. And then the, the thing at the end is, it, it is great, less feeling. If, if you are as dumb as the dog, what you would do, you would continue to drink beer and then get drunk, and it tastes good. The other commercial I enjoyed was when I first came to America in the 80s and I I saw two old ladies standing in front of the counter and then you heard them say, Where is the beef? You remember that? Anyone here working for the Geico? So stupid. Stupid. I don't know why they have those, co- those commercials. You know that they don't. The purpose of a commercial is that they have a product. They want you to buy it. And they're going to do anything to make you buy it. There is a friend of mine last two weeks ago who saw a nice purse to Amazon, and she ordered it. And it looked like a nice letter purse. She got it. It looked the same way, but it was foam. They're deceptive. My best commercial. You look at the television screen. You see a group of men standing behind the screen. They don't say a word. They're good-looking. Every single woman or even married one wants to have one of them. They don't say a word. They stand strong. And at the end of the commercial, all that you see behind the screen, we are Looking for a few good men. The Army, the Air Force, the Navy. Wherever you go, wherever those few good men go, they make a difference. Thank God for you, veterans. You represent your country well. You make sacrifice. You defend freedom. You defend the oppressed. Sometimes we might question the commander in chief, but those few good men, wherever they go, they represent their country. 1993. The U.S. was about to send troops to Haiti. I remember one of my friends called me and said, I'm not going to let those Americans come into my country and take over. I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to defend my country. He said, let me show you how I'm going to do that. He showed me one of the women. And he showed me the weapons that he had. AK-47. I don't know how he got them. AR. All kind of weapons. He said, I'm ready to defend Haiti against the Americans that are coming to take over. Those few good men landed on the shores of Haiti. I looked everywhere for my friend and he was nowhere to be found. And you know why? Because if he dare. Messing with those few good men, he would be dead in a second. I'm here this morning to tell you that God is looking for a few good men and women that would stand before him so that he would not destroy our land. He's looking for a few good men and women that would stand for justice. He would stand, he's looking for a few good men and women that would pursue love, faith, steadfastness, godliness, gentleness. He's looking for a few good men and women that would be willing to fight the good fight of faith. And the question is, would you be? Among that group of good men and women. You know the song says, rise up, O church of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the kings of kings. Rise up, O church of God, in one united throng. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God. Tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the son of man. Rise up, O church of God. It is time that the church of God would stand up. It is time that men and women of God would stand for what is right. It is time for men and women of God. To show the world that God has the power. To change lives. My brothers and sisters. It's time that we stand up. It's time that we rise up. It's time that we stand. On behalf of the oppressed. On behalf of those downtrodden. On behalf. Of those who need the Lord. People need the Lord. And we are the one to tell them. He's looking for a few good men and women. Let it be you and me. May the Lord bless you.